Hallelujah. We're going to the book of John chapter 11 this morning. As you're turning there, I want to admonish you in Jesus' name today. This has been a blessed week and God has been with us. But let us not hoard the blessings in favor of God for our church family only. If we're having revival this week, I want to pack the house every night. Bring people with you. As Jesus said, go into the highways and the byways and compel them. The blind, the halt, the maim. It's hard for the Lord to open blind eyes that see. It's hard for the Lord to open deaf ears that hear. So we need him to do that. And we need to be his hands and his feet. I said, I believe it was Wednesday night. I believe. I can't remember. Maybe Tuesday night. That nowhere in the scripture... Did the Lord ever tell us to pray for harvest? But so much of our prayer time we spend praying for harvest. Jesus never asked us to pray for harvest. He said pray to the Lord of the harvest for laborers. The harvest is here. The harvest is ready. The harvest is plenteous. The fields are white right now. But we need somebody that will thrust their sickle into the harvest field. What if they turn me down, Pastor? Then shake the dust off and go to the next place and keep loving that one. That's all you can do. I'm believing God that in the next several days, there are going to be reports placed in the hands of doctors that when they open up the envelope and they take a look for themselves, they're going to say, I don't know what happened, but something has happened. God will receive the glory for the things that he has done. Hallelujah. John chapter 11. Thank you for standing again to all of our guests. We love you so much. Thank you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Make yourself at home this morning. If you are a first-time guest, we would invite you to stop by the cafe after service. All of our first-time guests receive a free treat, drink, whatever you would like there of your choice. And we want you to come be with us. I promise you there's no strings attached. And we want you to just come know that we love you and we want to bless you with a very small token of appreciation. And further than that, we just want you to come worship the Lord with us every chance that you have. If you don't have a home church... Make yourself at home today. Just prop, prop your feet up. Come on in the house. Amen. Now a certain man was sick. Named Lazarus of Bethany. The town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Somebody say it's almost too late. And when Jesus heard that, he said, write this down in your journal, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but that God be glorified. This sickness is not unto death, 
but for the glory of God, that the Son of God be glorified thereby. That he be glorified thereby. Do you believe that? Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Catch that right there. They said, Lord, it's almost too late. And he said, I think I'll stay here about two more days. Then after that, he said to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, but you're going there again. Jesus said, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, but he that seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awaken him out of sleep. His disciples started asking questions. Lord, well, if he sleeps, then isn't he getting better? They weren't getting his drift. Well, isn't that a a good thing? He sleeps and Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of him taking a nap. Verse 14, then Jesus said to them plainly, have you ever just needed him to like break it down Gerber style? Just give it to me plain. He said, all right, you're not getting my drift, so let me just feed you. He's dead. But I don't like talking about it that way because I'm saying he's just asleep. I'm saying he's just asleep. When you're the resurrection, it's really hard to give death credit. You may be seated. Proverbs, the 18th chapter. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 19. Waiting on the Lord is a tough place to be. We understand the fulfillment of this story as the narrative unfolds. That Jesus' two-day delay and not going to Judea was just enough time for Mary and Martha to believe that it was too late. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him, when you think he's late, he's right on time. Do you believe what I just told you this morning? I want, you to, I want you to say that with conviction. When you think he's too late, he's right on time. Hallelujah. In waiting for God, it's easy to find yourself in that in-between spot where it's really, really easy to get offended. I said, Lord, if you would have been here yesterday, this wouldn't have happened. If you would have came when we asked for you to come, then Lazarus would not be dead. But in the mind of Jesus and the mind of God in flesh, his thought process is, but if I don't wait, then I can't be glorified. Waiting on the Lord is the toughest part, in my opinion, of serving the Lord. 
Now, this is probably contrary to popular opinion because some folks think it's tough to love him. I don't. Some folks think it's tough to be faithful to the house of God. I don't. There's no place I'd rather be. Some folk believe it's tough to be faithful to revival and to a prayer life. And, you know, some of these guys call me and say, hey, man, I don't know what I, don't know what I need to do. I, I've been seeking God, trying to get a word to preach. I said, well, when was the last time you prayed before you had to preach? I've been in the Word this week trying to, trying to get a word for my church on Sunday. That's just, so basically, you're studying to preach and studying to pray. You're not studying to live. Some of us don't ever call on Him till we really, really need Him. Sometimes Mama wants to know you don't need a meal. You don't need laundry done. You don't need the bed made. You just want to tell her, baby, I love you. And you're looking good. Can I tell you, sometimes Jesus just wants to know I don't need anything. I'm not asking you for a healing right now. I'm not asking you to do anything for me. I just want to tell you that I love you. I'm not asking you to bring me out of anything. I'm not asking you to turn anything around. I'm not asking you to pick me up out of anything. I just want to tell you on a great day, while everything's going all right, this is the day that the Lord hath made, and I will rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. Sometimes you got to remind yourself you still fall in the category of things that are breathing. And the psalmist said, let everything that hath breath Waiting is a tough part. It's not tough for me to be faithful to God. He's been too good to me. He's been so good to me. If I started trying to tell you my story about how good God's been to me, for one thing, you'd all be ticked off because your pot roast would burn up in the crock pot today. We'd sit here till 6 o'clock tonight and I'd just be getting started. But the truth of the matter is when you're going through hell, sometimes it's hard to remember how good he's been. This Mary is the same one that washes his feet with her tears and dries it with her hair because she loved him so much. But now that her brother is sick, she doesn't feel that pressing within her to say, I'm going to bless you not for what's in it for me, but just because I want to pour something out at your feet that you deserve. It's that time in the middle of waiting for God trying to exercise your faith and stay faithful to God, that moment of waiting. But Jesus said in this story that this sickness is not unto death. There was a word that was given that they had to cling to in their spirit that before their brother ever closed his eyes and stopped breathing, the word of faith was, this is not going to be what it looks like. This sickness is not unto death. But when you're standing in the middle of it and all you have is the evidence in front of you, the doctor's report in front of you, the report from your boss in front of you, the checking account in front of you, it's hard to believe that God is still able, but he's not moving. The Lord said this sickness is not unto death, but that the Son of Man would be glorified in the earth. I've come to tell you right now that some of you feel like that he's a little too late and that it's almost over, but I've come to tell tell you and remind you in the house this morning that when you think he's too late 
He's right on time. Let's go to that verse in Proverbs. Anybody in here ever felt like you were offended when God didn't answer when you thought he should? Let me tell you something, folks. Offense is a tough thing to deal with. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city and their contentions, their gripes, their complaints are like the bars of a castle. Go to that next verse for me. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. With the increase of his lips, he shall be filled. 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. When I was a kid, I used to hear this scripture quoted all the time, and it's not so far off, but they would say that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Anybody ever heard it quoted like that? Oh, the Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. It's pretty close, but it's not right accurate. It actually says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Because the power of life and death is in him. But death and life in my world is in the power of what I say. And Jesus looked at something that was supposed to be dead and he said, he's just asleep. But if you want to go with me, I'm about to wake him up. He refused to look at death and call it death when he had the power of the resurrection in his tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Why would he connect this same scripture in the same chapter with a brother that's offended? Because offended people say things that they don't really mean. But when you say it, you can't ever get it back. If I could ever figure out a way to invent something that when you say a word, you could catch it in the air and put it back, I'd be a billionaire in the first five minutes it released. But once you speak it, you can't ever get that back. So we've got to be very careful because death and life are in the power of the tongue. But the power of life and death are in him. So I think probably the thing that I'm trying to learn in my life is that death and life are in the power of what I speak. And he holds the power of life and death. And that means if I open up my mouth, well, I have the power to praise him and the power to bless him instead of focusing on what I've been through and focusing on what I'm going through. I've got power in my tongue to lift up my voice and say, Lord, I know some may feel like it's too late, but I feel like you're right on time. I feel like. I feel like the doctor said it's impossible. But with my tongue, I want to declare that with man, it may be impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Somebody in this house today 
that's got the faith to believe for everybody else needs to get the faith to believe for yourself right now. That with God, all things are possible. I've come to declare to you in the house today that if he's got enough for your brother, he's got enough for you. If he's healer enough for your brother, he's healer enough for you. God is able today to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Somebody shout, he's able. Come on, shout it again. He's able. So oftentimes, when my patience is being tested, my faith is being tested, that's when the spirit of offense tries to creep in. I want to deal with the spirit of offense this morning. I'm going to slow down for just a few moments and I want to talk to you about the spirit of offense. It's easy to get offended, especially in an atmosphere like we've been experiencing here at FPC. When everybody's rejoicing with everybody else over the things that God has done for them. But you haven't got your breakthrough yet. Come on, somebody. I want to tell you something this week that crossed my mind. As soon as my grandmother got sick. We received a call that Brother Boyard was very sick. Some of these other folks were calling saying, hey, I'm super sick. And the first thing that crossed my mind is how does sickness happen like that in a move of God like this? And the next thing that crossed my mind was there's probably not a greater time for it to happen than right now. Because in a move of God, it's easy to get offended when somebody else gets their healing and somebody else gets blessed, but you didn't. But God is glorified. Now, I'm not saying that God sends sickness. Understand that. Don't, you, if you know my heart, you know that God don't send sickness. It makes me want to cry when I hear people say, well, I guess God put this cancer on me so that I would give him glory. God didn't put cancer on you no more than God put death on Lazarus. He didn't put that on Lazarus. Sickness brought death onto Lazarus. It was time for him to be sick, but in the time of his sickness was the time for God to be glorified. It's so easy to get offended. But when Jesus is breaking down the signs of the time, and for the sake of time, I'll let you go back and read it for yourself. You can prove the scripture within the scripture. Jesus said that in the end time that there, uh, that nation would rise against nation, that there would be earthquakes in diverse places. You've read that for yourself, right? He goes into this, he said, and many shall be offended in that day. Somebody say offended. He said, many shall be offended in that day. And the next thing out of his mouth was, and false Christ shall rise and deceive many. Because the spirit of offense always precedes deception. I'm preaching to you right now. John Baptist is in a prison. He's got a revelation nobody else has. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness and came to the river. And he's standing in the river when Jesus comes walking up on the bank. He says, behold, the Lamb of God. You know, in my opinion, Mary had to know because she bore the miracle. But outside of Mary, I don't know that anybody 
even understood what John was saying like John did. There was nobody that had the revelation of who Jesus was like John Baptist. But when John gets put in a prison of isolation, you've read it for yourself when he sends his disciple to Jesus and he says, Are you he? Or do we look for another? I'm fixing to show you something that's revelatory. Is it all right that I'm preaching slow right now? God's about to bring somebody out of a spirit of offense this morning. I feel it. He said, you go tell John. The blind are seeing. You go tell him that the lame walk. The lepers are being cleansed. At first, at first, it's almost like Jesus is pouring wine into the wound. Because John is sitting in prison wanting to be freed. And the Lord said, you go tell John about everybody else that's getting their miracle. Uh-oh. See, some of you just started feeling where I'm going. John's sitting in prison wishing for freedom. He's so desperate he sends his disciples. says, please just ask him, should we start looking for somebody else? Because surely if he is who I said he was, I would have already been out of here. But it wasn't the will of God for John to be out of there. He said, you tell that disciple, you disciple, you go back and tell John the things that you have seen and the things that you have heard. You go tell John that the blind are seeing, the lame are walking. You go tell John that I'm still in the healing business. And it's almost like this, this conversation is coming to an end because Jesus is so busy healing everybody else. He says, I want you to go tell them, tell him that the dead are raised and the poor have preached the gospel. Go ahead to verse number six. And what do he say? How did Jesus know that John was offended? Because offense precedes deception. And the thing that John knew the most, he began to question in frustration. He began to question when he got offended at God because the blind were seeing, the lame were walking, the poor was hearing the gospel preach, but the preacher was trapped in prison. Everybody else was getting theirs, and John was stuck. Blessed are they that are... He said, John, there's something I need you to know, but I don't even have the time to come tell you myself. I need you to know that you can't afford to get offended right now. Because, John, what you don't know and what you don't see is that your head is getting ready to be delivered on a charger. And I can't have you dying with an offended spirit. I need you to die with the revelation that you were born with. You were born with the revelation as the forerunner of Jesus Christ that I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John, don't get offended. Don't get offended. Because life and death are in the power of your tongue, John. And when you're sending your disciples, listen to pastor this morning, to ask questions that you already know the answer to. A spirit of offense will cause you to begin to ask questions about things that you had already settled in your spirit a long time ago. Oh, my Lord. 
You watch folks that have been a solid foundation in the house of God. They get an offended spirit. And immediately they begin to question everything that they used to love. I don't think that's necessary anymore. God does not expect that of me. That is not a commandment of God. And all of a sudden it becomes about what's commanded of them. But is it not true that Jesus said, whenever you've done everything that's been commanded of you, say then you are unprofitable. You're not bringing profit to the kingdom of God just because you do what's commanded of you. He said, I want to know that you love me and you'll keep my commandments. But the test really comes when you rise above the commandment and you keep on loving me when you don't have answers. You keep on loving me when you're in the prison and there are, there's nobody knocking on the door. You haven't heard keys coming down the hallway. I've come to tell somebody this morning that the devil's been working on your mind. You've been offended during this revival because you haven't seen the answer that you've been looking for but I'm declaring to you this morning it is not too late for God to do a work in your life when you think he's too late he's right on time right on time I said he's right on time I was trying to figure out the other night what in the world was going on my dad and I got to the hospital a little later than my mother. He and I were coming from Indianapolis. I walked into the hospital, and I recognized a man sitting in the emergency room with his family. It had been over 20 years since I'd seen the man. I walked up to him, and I said, are you so-and-so? He said, I am. And I said, you probably don't recognize me, but I'm so-and-so. I said, I'm Luke St. Clair, and you used to work at this place, and I would come in and visit. He said, oh, my word, I recognize you now. We started talking about some things in his life. Started talking to him about some things he'd been going through. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm a pastor. He said, yeah, I remember that. Before the conversation was over, he said, you know what, I'm going to stop by and see you. One Sunday, I looked up and the nurse was coming out to get my grandmother. She was pushing a wheelchair out. I looked at her and I said, Mandy? She looked at me kind of funny. She said, yeah. I said, did you used to work at Furrow's Building Supply? She said, yeah. I said, you worked with me. She said, I did? I said, yep. Yeah. You don't recognize me, but I'm Luke St. Clair. I said, I worked plumbing electrical. I was hired in by Steve Murphy. I said, do you remember Dave McGee? She said, I remember Dave. Look, I'm not saying that God allows or makes us sick so that things happen. But what I'm saying is he has the ability to get the glory in whatever we're going through. By the time I left the hospital that night, I had seen three people that I hadn't seen in over 20 years and began to tell them what God was doing in the church. I'm fixing to get down where you're living right now. Oh, God, I feel like something trying to break up in here right now. I was preaching a meeting one night, and just before I preached, 
they decided the choir had already sang, the praise team had already sung. It felt really, really good. It was booming, rocking, booming, shakalocking. And right before it was time for me to preach, they took up an offering, and then they said, we're going to have testimony service. I puked in my throat just a little bit. So there were a couple of people that stood up. You don't know like I know what the Lord's done for me. Yay, everybody clap. Woo. And this woman stood up on the left side of the church. I will never forget it. She stood up on the left side of the church and she said, I've been through hell this week. I said, oh, glory to God. She started in. This has happened this week. I lost this this week. And I thought, you know what? This sounds like a country music song in the middle of church. <laughs> lost her dog, lost her husband, lost her house, lost her car. I'm like, well, I thank God you had enough clothes to at least put them on to come to church. <laughs> and she started in. I'm t- the devil's been on my back this week. I've been to hell this week. It's been awful. And I'm thinking, my God, what a testimony. People are over there slitting their throat. What's wrong with you, woman? And so help me God, when she finished, I was contemplating. I was, I was standing there thinking, oh, God, I don't know if I, should, if I should preach or we should take communion. If we took communion right now, they'd empty the bottle. It was bad. That woman finished her testimony. That all the devil had done that week. How he had kicked her in the teeth. She'd been to hell. I'm thinking, oh my God, get that choir up here and let them sing. And when she sat down, the guy that was emceeing the service said, we are so blessed and honored tonight to have Pastor St. Clair with us. We want him to come and preach. I was like, you got to be kidding me right now. Now, church family, I'm going to tell you, I tried to bite my lip. I was just going to stand up there, Brother Robbie, and take my text and preach. But it got the best of me. And I said, I'm hearing you tonight that you've been to hell this week. I said, I'm hearing that hell has taken your joy. And hell has taken your kids. And hell has taken your marriage. And hell has disrupted all this stuff in your life. I said, why don't you do yourself a favor? And the next time you go to hell, grab your joy on the way out. I said, don't be wasting the trip. If you're going to go to hell and back, grab your victory on your way out. And say, devil, you can't have my praise. You can't have my victory. You can't have my joy. You can't have my kids. You can't have my marriage. If I'm going to go to hell, I'm going to get everything the devil's taken. And I'm going to bring it back to the house of God. And I'm going to give him praise. He's not too late.
Can I tell you that when I stood up and did that, you would have thought that it might would have got tight, but somebody got the revelation and somebody stood up in that service and began to give God praise. It's not about what I'm going through. It's what I get on the way through. You will look back over the season that you're in right now and you're going to be able to declare that God brought you through. It may feel like it's killing you right now, but you're going to make it. I believe it this morning, don't you? Been to hell and back this week and came out empty-handed. Y'all listen to this preacher this morning. I'm not about to give that sucker the luxury of taking my joy and keeping my joy. I'm not about to let that sorry rascal get my victory and keep my victory. You may have came against my joy yesterday, son, but in the morning when the sun comes up, joy is coming with it. hurry in Mark the fifth chapter the Bible said about the 38th verse he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue he seized the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly this is Jairus daughter when he was come in he said to them why do you make this ado and weep Somebody help me with that next line. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jairus is standing there waiting for his breakthrough. When some woman that's had an issue of blood for 12 years comes and interrupts the flow. Just got Jesus to turn towards his house. And he's going to stop and heal a woman that's got an issue of blood. My daughter's dying and you're going to interrupt the flow? Boy, it's easy to get offended when God blesses somebody else and you're wanting yours. But the difference is that woman went home healed. But Jesus went home with Jairus. And the things that everybody in his house were saying, she's dead. It's too late. He's waited too long. Just as that woman comes up and he heals her and he says to her, Thy faith made thee whole. Go home and be healed. Somebody from his house came up and said, Don't even bother him anymore. Don't even bother the master anymore. She's dead. And Jesus had the audacity to walk into a place that people were saying, It's dead. It's over. It's finished. And he said, Nope. She's just asleep. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And he walked into everybody that was weeping and he said, get out of the room because there's not enough room in here for healing and doubt. There's not enough time and not enough space for resurrection and death. And one of us is leaving. Death is about to leave the room because resurrection has just walked in. 
I dare somebody on this Sunday morning to walk into the circumstance of your life right now and to look at the devil in the face and tell him you've been weeping and crying. You have brought me enough for this. This has happened long enough. I'm finished with it. Get out of the room. That wasn't a preaching point right there. I wasn't preaching to make you stomp your foot. I'm preaching to make you realize what you've been saying, it's over, it's finished, God's done. I'm saying he's just getting started. See, that, 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 that right there was a good, 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 good time. For somebody to stand up and throw your head back and say, Lord, I receive the word of God into my spirit right now. And I don't care who's looking at me. I don't care what they're saying about me. I don't care if they judge me. I came to get mine today, Lord. And I'm going to get it before I leave this house. I came to declare it over my family. I came to declare it over my body. I came to declare it over my mind. I didn't just come to be blessed. I didn't just come to be blessed. I came to be made whole. Come on, it's here right now if you want it. It's here right now if you want it. If you want it, I dare you to step out and believe with me by faith right now. Tell doubt and confusion to get out of the room. Tell those weepers and wailers to get out of the room. The resurrection has walked in this morning. Death and life are in the power of your tongue right now. You can open up your mouth and declare it today that that spirit has had its last day in your home. Your marriage has been rocked for the last time by that same spirit. Come on, I'm not going to beg you to break through this morning. If you want it, you can get it. It's in the house. There's liberty in the house this morning. Uh. He's in the house this morning. He's in the house for the broken and the hurting. He's in the house for the blind, the halt, the maim. He's in the house for the imperfect today. He's in the house for people that are in need of a touch. But he's not going to come seeking you out and drag you out of your pew today and say, come on, I want to touch you. I want to heal you. I want to fix you. I'm telling you, if you want Jesus to come home with you today, you got to step out by faith and say, Lord, I'm bringing it to you right now. I'm laying it at your feet right now. You're going to have to help me or this thing's going to break me. Chula What are you going to do with the opportunity the Lord's laid at your feet this morning? What are you going to do with the opportunity that God has given you this morning? 